I think yoga is the practice of paying attention. On this podcast, Yoga Strong, we talk about what paying attention on the mat, what being aware and being present, whether you're in the studio or out of the studio or in the kitchen or with your family or with your friends in connection, in your heart, in your head. What does paying attention look like for your life? That's what this podcast is all about. That's what Yoga Strong is about. It's not just strong in your muscles and strong in your movement on the mat. It's strong everywhere. This is Yoga Strong with your host, Bonnie Weeks. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I really want to share with you something that has come up recently in a coaching session with another yoga teacher. And this is a conversation around voice. You're listening to a podcast listening to the sound of my voice. And my question for you is what is your relationship with your voice? If you listen back and hear the sound of your voice, do you enjoy it? Do you think it's cringy? Do you think it's boring? (laughs) Like there's a, a broad variety of ways that you could think about your voice. Do you think it's beautiful? Do you love the tone and the pace Do you love the pauses? Do you love the way that your voice lifts? Do you like the way that you can hear when you're smiling, when you're, when you're talking or perhaps when you're emotionally in anger or in sadness and, and can you hear that in your voice? And and what is that experience for you? I was talking to uh, this, this teacher yesterday that I was mentoring and working one-on-one with people, it makes it really fun to then dive into some very specific nuances that each person has, right? Like all of us come with a different sort of things we're navigating. And as we talked about voice, I asked this person if they were read to as a kid, some people were, some people weren't right. So were they read to as a kid? And then also, did they ever read children's books out loud? Did they, do they listen to audible and listen to books? And most of those were, no, they didn't remember being read to as a kid. Haven't read a lot of children's books out loud and have listened to some books, but it's been a long time. So my encouragement and my homework for this person was to really work on strengthening the relationship with their voice. When it comes to teaching yoga, there is a, there's several pieces of, of voice usage really, right? Like there's like a whole energy presence. There's like, how do we run the room? How do we approach people? There's a lot of leadership qualities actually that we can really talk about as we think about being a yoga teacher. And, and these things like make me geek out, right? The way that we, we stand in the room, the presence we have in the room and the acknowledgement in ourselves that we have the power to shift the energy in a room just by the way we arrive in it. And one of those things for today is the power of your voice. As a teacher, you're going to be cueing poses, right? And, and teaching people how to move and where to move and what body parts to put where, and it's a lot of words to come out of your mouth, <laughs> and especially when you teach a class where there's many levels and there could be one person that is very new and one person that has been practicing for a really long time and all the in-betweens and to give cues and to speak to who's in the room 
requires a lot more words to come out of your mouth, but also needing to make it fluid, to make it not feel overwhelming because you're trying to say things super fast and you're trying to get one person to go to the next place and the other person to do the other place and all of them feel successful. So how do you even begin? (laughs) And I think that the beginning is very simple cueing and this voice relationship. So I have two pieces of homework that I would invite you to kind of examine for yourself. And one of them is to look at the way that you cue poses. And the other is to read out loud. So breaking those two things down, looking at the way you cue poses. And I would really go back to nuts and bolts basics and write this out so you can actually see it, right? We learn so many different ways. You can hear me say these things, but it's totally different than than if you put it into your own practice and you write it out, right? So then you can see it. And then if you put it in your body and then you can feel it and then you can watch somebody else do it. And then you know, like all these different ways of learning and integrating things. So what I mean by this is when you cue, I want you to use verb, body part and direction. And you can do this with a single pose. And I want you to work from the feet up. And if we were to imagine ourselves standing sideways, the long edge of the mat, and you're going to step into warrior two, your feet are together facing the long edge. How would you cue the body to step into warrior two and go from there and say, okay, if I'm standing on towards the facing the long edge of the mat, my feet are together. I'm going to reach my hands out to the right and to the left, and then I am going to jump or step my feet out so that my feet are as wide as my hands. If I'm facing the left side of the mat, then my right foot is the one facing forward. So I'm going to say, okay, turn your right toes forward towards the front of the mat. From this place, we're going to cue from the ground up. And if I'm thinking verb body part direction and really honing in on that, so And if I'm going to speak just directly to one pose, let's not even try to string poses together. This is just like an exercise of how the hell do you cue? (laughs) So verb, right? Reach, so verb, your hands, the body part, direction, out to your sides, to the left and right. Next verb, body part, direction, jump or step, your feet, the body part, direction, they land underneath your hands. Next one, turn your right foot so your toes face forward. Bend your right knee towards the direction of your front right toes, right? So like we're going in this direction, the back foot presses down the back left, back outer edge of the left foot into the mat. There could be an alignment cue of heel and back foot and how far apart the feet are, right? And then we're going to move up the legs. We're thinking, oh, let's set up the base first. And any pose you want to individually cue, working from the ground up can be a really great way so that in your own head as a teacher, when you're trying to remember all the things and you're observing students and you're like staying in your body and, you know, it's really a lot of things to think about. So working from the ground up, And from this place, then going to the hips, going up the legs, going to the hips, going to the core, then go to the shoulders, then go to the arms, then go to the head, go to the eyes, go to the breath, warrior two. And it is that exact same process for cueing movement 
that is flowing from one post to the, to the next. So if we were in warrior two and we were actually going to flow, there's going to be less poses or less cues that we have to give. Like if we're doing a pose practice and I really enjoy teaching where I'm going to teach a pose first, and then eventually we're going to flow with it. So here we're in warrior two, but verb body part direction, and it can include the breath. So eventually it could be the breath. So it could be an exhale warrior two. All right. So we'll start with an exhale warrior two and we're in warrior two. We have cued that. So we're going to begin from warrior two and we're going to say, uh, inhale, reach your left hand. I'm going to say my right foot forward. Inhale, reach your right hand up and reverse your warrior warrior exhale, circle your left hand all the way down to the front of the mat inside your right foot, pivot on those back toes and then inhale, reach your right hand high. So now we're in that open, twisted, low lunge, right? And then we can move in from, go from there. So we have like the breath cue, verb, body part direction, set your back knee down onto the ground, open up to gate pose, you know, like there could be other cues in this, but it's the exact same motion. So my or exact same pattern and that kind of direction is very clear, concise, and commanding. And that's what we need. And when we bring that as yoga teachers and have that form and that structure of what we're doing and where we're going, it allows room for us to then improvise because we sure as hell know that that needs to happen when we actually find bodies in the room. So having a plan, knowing how we do, how to cue, then we can improvise as we go and we'll observe and we'll see people's bodies and we can then hone in on the different cues that might make most sense for who's in the room. So homework number one, how the hell are you cueing? And do you know? And are you cueing really direct to the body, to body parts and movements and directions? And are you relying too much on any sort of filler words as in, or filler poetry or, or um, softness? I mean, and this is, this can, I'm really, I'm speaking and I really enjoy leaning into the science of movement and how are we moving bodies and people, if we're going to teach a practice that requires people to move their bodies, like we better be able to <laughs> move their bodies and how do we guide that? And how do we guide that in a way that is diverse? And how do we guide that in a way that is accessible, um, and invitational for people to try things on where they feel successful. However, it is that they're, they're coming as they're strong. Right. And that like strength looks different, even for a single person in an hour's time frame. So how do we meet people in that way? And so number one thing with voice and being a teacher is looking at the way you cue. And I really, I'm actually encouraging you to sit down and make the list, like write out a pose. And if it feels hard to write this out and write, like pick a pose, pick chair pose, pick revolve triangle, pick child's pose, like pick Tadasana, pick downward facing dog, pick any pose that you want and cue it from the ground up verb body part direction. And how easy is that? How difficult is that? And then once you have created this list and I want you to record yourself and I want you to open up your phone and click a voice notes app. There's a lot of voice apps out there. You can record your voice and I want you to read this. <laughs> I want you to, to say the cues of this pose. And if you're in the middle of saying it, you're like, wow, I am bored. <laughs> And I hate the sound of this and I, this isn't even enjoyable for me. Like, that is okay. 
if you think that, because I have had this exact same experience. So a trick for you is when you are practicing how to cue when you're all by yourself, I want you to imagine very much like me at this very moment, I am in my room all by myself, hanging out with my giant ass monstera that's in the corner, definitely looking at me while I'm doing this. <laughs> and you are not here at this very moment that I'm recording this podcast. However, I know that you're going to listen to it. So I'm speaking as if you are here and as if you are listening. And that changes the experience for me and the way that I want to deliver what it is that I'm saying. So when you record this, I want you to imagine you're actually speaking to a room of other people. You're not in a room by yourself feeling weird. <laughs> you are here and you're like the person at the front of the room. You're the entertainer. You're the leader. You're the person that people are literally looking at and mimicking what to do. And that's a lot of pressure. And so having these small little moments of, of, of connection for you, of you to you and your voice is really impactful for how you show up in the room. So I want you to record yourself cueing this pose. And then I want you to practice to it. And I want you to experience what that feels like. You can do it a single pose. You can also cue through a, a flow and literally write out the flow, verb, body, part, direction, write out those words. It's nice to have that where it's like, you, I don't need a period. I don't need a capital letter. <laughs> it's literally a list of directions. You can read it right down a page. You can type it on your computer, make it easy. Like try it out, just try it on. And how does it feel? How does the pace feel? And if you write it in a flow version, you can put inhale and exhale cues. Remember that transitions might be inhales and exhales. Okay. So this is like homework number one. So you're going to listen to your voice. You're going to see what it sounds like. You're going to practice the way that you're giving directions to students. And then my other piece of homework for you in your exploration of voice and being confident to lead the room. And I think confidence is, it comes in layers, right? It comes with experience. It comes with trying again and again, and realizing you didn't die <laughs> when, when something was embarrassing or you had to navigate an interesting situation, or you realize that like, maybe you didn't show up in a way that you wanted to. And there's definitely people that walked out of the room that you feel like you didn't really connect with that will happen. And it will give you this experience and, and over time, the confidence will grow to know, like for you to like acknowledge in yourself that the way you teach in a single hour is not who you are. It is a practice that you are trying to excel at. So with that in mind, your other piece of homework then is to read out loud. And maybe, maybe this is funny and maybe it, it feels weird, but that's great. <laughs> um, I am going to read a small passage for you as an experience. This is a book called fortunately the milk by Neil Gaiman. And I have read this to my kids and it is a really fun read. It's a very short read. So I just want you to listen. I'm going to open up to this random page in the middle and I'm going to read to you. Below me on the plain, a number of brightly colored ponies were gathered. And when I picked up the emerald, one of them shouted up at me, you must be the man with that milk. We've heard about you in our tales. 
why are you a pink pony with a pale blue star on the side? I asked. I know, said the pony with a sigh. It's what everybody's wearing these days. Pale blue stars are so last year. Professor Stegg leaned over the side of the balloon's basket. Hurry up, he called. If the volcano is going to go off, it will do it at any moment. The volcano made a noise like a huge burp, and the middle of it collapsed into itself. We thought it would do that, said a green pony with a sparkly mane. There's a prophecy, I suppose, I said. No, we're just very clever, all the ponies nodded. They were very clever ponies. So I read that because there's some characters in there, right? And there's a way that we can read. And I, I really do enjoy reading out loud. And, and I think, you know, we walk around all day and maybe we operate in a way and in an environment where we're doing the things and this is how you do the things and you can't vary from this. And we have to show up in this way and wear our face in this way and, and dress in a certain way. <clears throat> and it's holding a lot. It's wearing a mask in so many different ways. How do you hold your face? How do you like right now, can you make your face be a really weird shape? Like you're looked up face yoga, <laughs> look at face yoga, right? Like, do you let yourself have that intonation of your vo voice? And is there space that you're allowing yourself to explore what that sounds like to let your voice get really high and get it, let it get louder and then let it get soft. And what does that feel like in you? And it is okay for that answer to be any answer and an encouragement for you to read out loud and to, to play with the pace of language and to play with the pace of the, not just the pace, but like that tone and, and the pause and the inflection to play with all of that. I have another one I'm going to read for you. I'm going to think about, you know, reading from Mary Oliver and, and when I read poetry, you know, it's a different thing to read poetry. And, and I really enjoy reading poetry out loud. And there's some books that feel like poetry when I read them out loud and the, the sing songiness or like there's like the visuals of them. And it just feels really like delightful <laughs> to, to hear the sound and the way that, I don't know, the, like the, the intention behind writing is, is the story, but like, like there's so much more you can experience in the, in the hearing of it. So I'm going to read to you again. This is a poem called Hurricane by Mary Oliver. It didn't behave like anything you had ever imagined. The wind tore at the trees. The rain fell slant, fell for days slant and hard, the back of the hand to everything. I watched the trees bow and their leaves fall and crawl back into the earth as though that was that. This was one hurricane I lived through. The other one was of a different sort and lasted longer. Then I felt my own leaves giving up and falling, the back of the hand to everything. But listen now to what happened to the actual trees. Towards the end of that summer, they pushed new leaves from their stubbed limbs. It was the wrong season, yes, but they couldn't stop. They looked like telephone poles and didn't care. And after the leaves came, blossoms. For some things, there are no wrong seasons, which is what I dream of for me. I think that poem is beautiful. 
by reading out loud, you get to play with your voice. And I think the element of play, especially in yoga, when, you know, a lot of people are coming to yoga and don't move their bodies. Like there's new students every day in every studio, right? And that this is a new thing. And even if it's not a new student, there's probably going to be a new pose that nobody has been asked to do before. And there's an element of play that's needed with that. And as teachers, how do we embody and, and exemplify that? And I think one of the ways we can do that is with our voice and examining our relationship with our voice and building that relationship and doing that through examining both our ways of cueing and how direct can we be? How clear can we be? And knowing that when we set up a structure for ourselves in that way, we're going to be able to figure out how to flow and make that creative to us. Right. And then also to examine the way that we actually are using our voice and how are we embracing it? I was leading flow school or this last round of flow school that I had, um, the, there was a person who I encourage people with flow school. So definitely a plug for flow school here that, uh, they have to submit a video every week with a sequence that they have created. So we create a sequence, a new sequence every week. And the video is queuing through that sequence. And this person had said like, Oh, I don't, you know, I've, I haven't shared the, like the sound of my voice and, and, there was like laughing in it. And there was, you know, she, she just like, it was so real, but the cueing was so on point and she has an accent and like, she spoke to that and how that wasn't super comfortable, but I love her voice so much. And knowing that there's this backstory of, of this relationship with voice is makes it even more impactful to be like, Oh my gosh, like your voice is so powerful and hearing the way that she decided like she decided and she chose to recreate her relationship with her voice and start to share it. And that is so freaking powerful to choose to change the relationship with yourself. And in this case, with your voice, I know I continue have, and will continue to examine my own relationship to my voice. And this was not in like where I am right now is is not where I began. And these are things like these, these tips, these homeworks I'm giving you are, are things that have helped me navigate some of my voice. There are other things. Yes, but these are really great way to begin read out loud, even all by yourself to your, in your own room, listen to somebody reading out loud, read to your kids. If you have kids and then practice to your own voice and your own cueing and examine what that looks like. Your relationship with your voice and the power that you arrive in and the willingness that you have to play with that will then encourage other people to play. And it might not even be with their voice. It might be with their body, but you have no idea. Like we, we all walk into a yoga class and walk out with something a little bit different, a lesson that maybe we learned that the teacher never even spoke of, Right. So we have no idea what it is that students always walk out with, but we do have control over the way that we hold space in the room and voice is a big part of that. Working with teachers, 
and really helping a mentor. This sort of work is one of my favorites. And I hope that you really do take just a moment and examine and explore and play with like experiment, right? There's no failure in experiment. You're going to try something on and you'll try something else on and we just keep going with it. And that is truly like the practice of, of teaching. And I am excited for you to keep moving forward in this and keep honing your skills because your unique voice is needed and it's going to impact people that really need exactly what you have to offer. Keep being brave, my friends. Mwah.